The 630 Chad Afternoon News with Jaylen Nye. Weekdays at 2 on 630 Chad. Hey, look who it is. Jason Tetro, the germ guy. You know him, microbiologist, the author of The Germ Files, and host of the award winning. Mm. Super awesome science show. What you been up to, Jace? Oh, you know, going around, traveling, having a lot of fun, putting some great episodes together, talking to some fabulous scientists all over the world. Can I ask you something? Something just popped in my head and it's nothing that we discussed whatsoever. <laughs> that sounds good to me. That's pretty much what happens well, all the day. <laughs> I was I was reading about uh, some bed bugs because one of yeah. the one of the uh, podcasts that you did recently was on hotels. Yes, the hotel horrors. The hotel horror stories. Yes, and then I was reading something about bed bugs just the other day. Mm-hmm. But then I was also reading a story about like the little critters that live in your bed and on your pillows all the time. Ah, yes, the little mites. Yes, yeah, so, mites. Yeah. We, it, so what's that all about? Wow, I mean... Is that just from us? Is it yeah, just on our sk- uh, the, the dust mites are, are just little creatures that love to live everywhere. They live in uh, on surfaces. Uh, they eventually get into the bed. We track them in through our clothes and all sorts of other things. They grow. They feed on sweat and, and other really nutritious stuff for them. Like dead skin and stuff? Yeah, basically. It's, it's all just part of it there. And the fact is, is unless you're allergic to them, they're really not going to be giving okay. you any kind of grief but that's one of the reasons why we like to wash our sheets on a regular basis right because <laughs> you want to get rid of those you know start afresh start anew yeah and you know what we had a conversation last week about about washing in in general because there was mm-hmm. uh, there was a story out that saying that pe- that people are moving away from the bathe everyday thing like oh, yes. okay bathing every day and whether that's a good thing or a bad thing mm-hmm. and there was a fellow who said he hadn't had like a shower in 15 years he's some science guy down in in the states you know washes the bits that he needs uh-huh. to when he needs to yes. but there are a number of people just saying you know you know it's it's better for your skin what are your thoughts on all of that well, well, the people who haven't been bathing for 15 years in that, they're actually adding a little bacteria that is known to be able to help the skin. So they're using something that is a microbial culture, if you will, that they've marketed. So they've put a layer on? Yeah, it's. I think it's called like AO Biome. Yeah, that's it. Like yeah. That. yeah. Yeah. So they're using um, the, these bacteria that are known for eating up odors, and that's essentially why that uh, you, you don't smell. The other thing that they do is they help to uh, take out pollution and other things on your skin because they use that as food. That's all fine and dandy, and that's great, but you're still going to have to wash your, you know, nether regions. Yeah. Uh, You probably still want to wash your face on a regular basis, that type of thing. It's just, you know, you can probably get get by with less and less washing. I think really what's more important is what's the exposure that you're getting. Mm. And it's rather funny because one of the things that I've been trying to do as of late was, you know, get a feel for what kind of chemicals are in the air depending on where you happen to be. I mean, if you're in a major metropolitan city like, say, a Toronto mm. or something like that, you know you're going to be needing to mm-hmm. wash on a regular basis just simply because your clothes and you are going to be covered in it. But what about a place like Edmonton? 
It would be fascinating. To that, find out. that would be interesting. And again, I think d- depending on the job that you do as well. I mean, I sit in a in a studio for four hours a day. I'm not doing heavy labor, mm-hmm. you know, out you know sweating all day. And yeah. you know, but I think there's you know some people that I have two showers a day or even three showers a day, and I think that's a little overkill. Well, th- one of the interesting things, and we actually discussed this on uh, one of in one of my episodes, uh, is that soap can have a drastic effect on your skin. And so if you're over-soaping, if you're constantly using hot water and mm-hmm. soap all the time, you are going to invoke some kind of damage. And uh, if there are any nurses out there, they will definitely testify to this because that's one of the problems that they have is they're washing their hands constantly mm-hmm. with soap and water because that's what they have to do. And, and you end up with these possible cracks or, mm-hmm. or breaks in the skin, that type of thing. Well, you can do that pretty much all over your body. So you want to be balanced in the amount of soap that you're using, and you want to make sure that the water is you know warm mm-hmm. not always hot 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 yeah yeah I mean, and, and what about the, the the conversation about you know building up especially with little kids or babies that sort of stuff building up um, what's the word resistance to <laughs> to, to, to bacteria and that ah, sort of stuff yes. and then we turn around and look at in hospitals and we have some of these these super bacteria these mm-hmm. these super bugs I mean it's yeah it's like well, I don't know who to believe sometimes well I mean the, the, the reality is that in the first two years of life, your baby or you as a baby, <laughs> developing an immune system is what essentially is happening mm-hmm. during that time. So you want to be sure that between the ages of six months and two years, you're getting a lot of exposures, okay? Now, you want those exposures to be environmental bacteria, the one, the 99.99% that's not harmful. Mm. That's the stuff that you want to be getting yourself into. That's one of the reasons why I always joke around, essentially saying, you know, if you want to give your kids something helpful, just let them eat dirt, <laughs> as long as it's not in a dog park, okay? <laughs> just, just to be sure about that. But the reality is that when you have that exposure to a diverse environment, it's going to be good for your immune system. Now, let's transfer over to a hospital. Now we're dealing with the 0.01% of bacteria that are really hazardous. They're Mm. not particularly good for you. And they're becoming more and more antibiotic resistant. Mm. You want to try and avoid those as possible, which is, again, why the nurses should be calling in to testify that we have to wash our hands on a regular Mm -hmm. basis. Yeah, and and those some of those super resistant uh, bugs... um, I mean, they get into your system and they can just wreak havoc. Oh, yeah. Um, can well, kill you. I mean, any kind of bacterium that is pathogenic can wreak havoc. It's just that over the last 75-odd years, we've had these antibiotics. So you get it and then you take your antibiotics, they go away. Well, we're starting to get to a point now where we're not going to be able to do that. Mm. And we're starting to see not just, um, you know, I guess inconveniencing bacteria like gonorrhea being <laughs> resistant to absolutely everything. We're now never heard it described that way. Well, it's funny <laughs> as a researcher who happens to um, have you know studied nether regions. You come up with politically correct terms, uh, but the fact is that we're now starting to see more serious types of bacteria that could potentially lead to pneumonias and other problems. And uh, unfortunately, we are starting to see deaths as a mm. result of the fact yeah. that we just simply can't treat them. But yes, there Neisseria gonorrhea that is resistant to all antibiotics yep. was pretty much the first clone that we found. And what's really interesting is that when we look back at the history of antibiotic resistance, yeah. there, there's been 
and you know the Staphylococcus aureus that we all hear about. Yeah. But right along the line with it in the literature, uh, Gano has always been right so there. So he's with been there. It. So it's kind of like a, a horse race <laughs> as to who's leading the pack. And unfortunately, usually you know Gano seems to be winning. Gano. Jason Tetro. The scientist, the microbiologist that has studied nether regions, <laughs> as he described it. <laughs> you know, it's a microbiology thing. That's what you do. All right, let's take a break here. When we come back, we did say that we wanted to talk about optimism. Yes. And maybe touch a little bit on social media, but let's do that when we come back for Jason okay. Tetro. Jason Tetro, the germ guy, joining me in studio. So, um, and of course, the host of the Super Awesome Science Show. Um, Curious cast, you can get it all there. And uh, lots of great things out there. And he's going to just stick around for a little bit longer uh, than we had planned because a whole bunch of questions are coming in. So we'll <laughs> ask him. We'll do like a, a, you know, a live fire round here. Um, what do you call it? Uh, what did you call it? Uh, lightning round. Yeah, lightning round. Uh, we'll do, we'll get some of your questions coming in if you have a question for Jason because <laughs> we're pretty good here. Uh, we did want to <laughs> touch on there was one of your um one of your podcasts just on optimism and yeah. optimism about and that that those who are optimistic mm-hmm. live longer yes it's very interesting this goes back to the whole idea that um, mind over matter mm-hmm. and the idea is that if you maintain a positive outlook on life it'll help to reduce some of the problems that occur because pessimism leads to inflammation inflammation leads to problems right Hmm. it's always been sort of a you know an old tale but a study that just came out recently uh like literally i think yesterday or the day before has now shown that over the course of a lifetime if you stay optimistic you will potentially live longer Hmm. and in some cases you you are gaining a, probably about a 15% chance of reaching a much older age. Now, the funny thing is that when you start thinking about optimism, right, we think of, you know, sunny ways. Sorry, tweet me, I don't care. Um, <laughs> but the fact is, is that that's not necessarily what optimism means. Okay, then what does it mean in this optimism case? Optimism really means that the way that you perceive your environment is not one that is against you. It is mm. one that you are coexisting with. And so by having that optimistic perspective... <laughs> Depends what stage of my life I'm at there. Well, I know. And that's, <laughs> right? and that's, that's, the, that's thing, the thing. And that's the thing. Your age yeah. at, at As you're points. getting older, right? Yeah. Um, you may actually be optimistic when you tell someone to get off your lawn <laughs> because you really like your lawn. But the fact of the matter is that your optimism is really a, a personified effect on who you are. But if you maintain that optimism, then you definitely will have... Um, a, a better outlook. See, I'm wondering if optimism creates better for you chemicals in your body, like like a dopamine drop, stuff like that. I, I, I don't know. Is that serotonin? Is serotonin? Really yeah. yeah. So okay. serotonin balance is definitely there. Um, you're going to the uh, the nice thing about dopamine is that it's really more about um, excitement, yes, getting okay. those highs. Yeah, yeah. So. Uh, the serotonin helps to balance that out. Mm. So you really want to go for the serotonin more than you do the dopamine, unless you're that 98-year-old who is like flying out of airplanes or something yeah, like yeah. that. But th- those people themselves, that optimism is coming from the fact that they're doing this as a way of showing that they're not falling to age. So it's not really necessarily a dopamine high. It's yeah. more of a serotonin balance. This is interesting because yeah. I always thought it was just a mindset. 
the mindset helps to determine how the balance of the neurochemicals are going to be. And so what this study is really showing is that if you can maintain that nice balance at the serotonin level, mm. you're going to be able to help yourself from, uh, you know, to, to help avoid problems that pessimism causes. And so I think this is just one more in a series of, of studies that we're going to be seeing that essentially say the more positive outlook that you have on life, mm. that it, the better it's going to be for your health. And then we can really start getting into, well, what is a positive outlook? What is a positive outlook? Well, for me, it's you listening to my show. <laughs> <laughs> so everybody, help me be positive, there you please. Go. Be positive. Um, one of the things that makes it difficult to be optimistic or positive sometimes is social media. Social media seems to yeah. be a cesspool of just about everything these days. Yes. You just did you you did a, a podcast on social media the other day too. Yeah, so we talked about the uh, the dangers, the pitfalls of being on social media last week. Uh, it was brought up by uh, quite a few listeners, mm -hmm. and so we decided to put that into a theme as we like to do. And what we did is we actually focused on not just how social media can have an effect on you, leading to you know feelings of addiction, feelings of, de of pessimism, depression, mm. that type of thing, but how social media might actually be able to help us to diagnose mental health conditions mm -hmm. because there are trends that you see from people who are using social media who have these issues and then a lot of people were curious about the idea of the fear of missing out yeah is this really jo only uh part of social media? Well, the answer is no. So we actually found uh, an assistant professor who studies in FOMO, Marina uh, Maris... Marina... Um, oh, I can't remember her last name. Milia Skaya, that's her name. She studies? She studies FOMO. It's, really? it's amazing. Yeah, she's at Carleton University. And uh, if you go to uh, the, the, the global oh. news site for the Super Awesome Science Show, you'll be able to find her and, and find all the information about her. And it's so interesting because FOMO happens no matter where you are, but social media can actually maximize it. And she gives us ideas as to how we can balance out that FOMO, especially through social media. So I was going to say, we were always, it didn't matter, you know, 40 years ago, FOMO was there. We didn't yeah. call it necessarily that, but I mean, we, you know, oh, what if I can't make it to the high school dance or what if I can't make it to the, whatever yeah, it exactly. is, it was there. It's just, I think it's just become so much larger thanks to social media. Yes. And social media can really impact. And one of the examples that she talks about is just this idea that if you happen to be a comic book lover and you're watching the Comic-Con down in San Diego, mm -hmm. you may have these incredible feelings of jealousy and fear yeah. of missing out, right? But put yourself in the shoes of that person who has to stand for hours mm. and the person who can't go to the bathroom because if they go to the bathroom, they're going to lose their place in line or is so far away that the, even if they have like their their uh, cell phone on yep. maximum zoom, they're, they're never going to be able to see their idol. So the fact is, is that you have to be able to put it into perspective. And when you can do that, you can really sort of balance uh, out that FOMO. Perspective. Perspective. And again, if you happen to be optimistic in your perspective, there you, go. you can probably be healthier and maybe even live longer. All right.